Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 128. Coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery studio in De Pere, Wisconsin, I'm host producer Eric Fisher, the biggie. Joining me via Skype tonight, we have member of the Highway 22 crew, Sean Klosterman. Sean, how are you doing, buddy? Doing good, how are you? Doing fantastic. Recording a day later than we normally do, and holy shit, did we time that perfectly or what? Lots to talk about in the episode, some huge stories, really all culminating with the fact that it's awesome to be a Wisconsin sports fan right now. Right. Keep it short and sweet here. Got to talk about our partners over at Rage and Pro Wrestling, RPW, Homecoming 1 in Wapaka, November 3rd, and then RPW, I always get this wrong, so please excuse me to RPW, but I want to make sure I get the event right. Destiny 3, and that is Saturday, November 4th at the Big Apple in Manitowoc. Tickets are available online at rpwprowrestling.com, as well as Look Sharp in the Fox River Mall. Big announcement, Sean, on this one. Uh, We knew that Tessa Blanchard was initially scheduled to appear, then she wasn't. Well, guess what, Sean? She is back on the card for Destiny 3, the academic Obligation got canceled. So Tessa Blanchard in a triple threat match versus AEW superstar Diamante and AEW superstar Kira Hogan. Only at the Big Apple, November 4th. Tickets available, as I mentioned, rpwprowrestling.com, as well as Look Sharp in the Fox River Mall. Also got to talk about our friends over at RaiseEnergyRepSports.com. Code ROOT4 gets you 15% off any order. That's code ROOT4, R-O-O-T, number 4, 15% off of any order. For the lifestyle products, the energy products, etc. With that, Sean, like I said, let's get right into it. Huge episode of Wisconsin Sports to talk about this week. And we start off with, as we always do, talking about what we had rooted for in the previous week. That is brought to you by Fanatics, over 300-plus powered stores where you can get your NFL gear, your Brewers playoff gear, as well as your Travis Kelsey jerseys. 400% increase after Sunday's game. The Swifties going nuts for Travis Kelsey. So be, if you want to be part of that, that surge, by all means, show your love for your NFL team or for Travis Kelsey or for the Swifties with hashtag... 2023 Fanatics NFL kickoff. That's hashtag Fanatics or 2023 Fanatics NFL kickoff. Or, or, or what? Or what about the new the new Bucks jerseys that could be that are coming out here pretty? There quick. will be some new Bucks jerseys coming up pretty quick. We'll get to that in the later bit in the episode. Uh, also, like I said, Brewers playoff gear coming out available. Um, and then, as always, the Packers. And I just had another one, too. There was something else I was going to say on top of that that's even... Oh, salute to service. Packers salute to service. The military appreciation also dropping earlier this week. Always available at Fanatics. Check out the link in my Instagram bio, at fishsticks20. Possible savings there as well. So Fanatics really taking care of everything this week. And, Sean, what were you rooting for in the previous week? I think it was a Packer game Sunday. 
I believe it was. Packers get a late come-from-behind victory that we will talk about in length a little bit later in the episode. But yeah, pretty, pretty dead stadium until the fourth quarter. But once the fourth quarter hit, it, it you could you could just feel the feel the turnaround, and it was an awesome experience to be there for it. That's awesome. Uh, we were at Stadium View during the game, Mashana um, and I, and kind of that same feeling of dead, 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 dead. And then all of a sudden, the whole thing came to life. And really, when it came to life, it came to life hard. Like, I mean, I, I don't even have words for how kind of cool of an experiment or experience that was. And the the party afterwards and everyone at Stadium View really culminated with Don Makowski playing on stage with the glam band, playing Every Rose Has Its Thorns, which apparently was a big thing for him during his playoff playing days, which I did not know until after Sunday. Um, so Don Makowski took the stage with the glam band. I wish we would have stayed for that. That would have been pretty cool to see. My route for last week was the Milwaukee Brewers hopefully wrapping up their playoff spot, which they did do. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later here in the episode as well. Uh, but the Milwaukee Brewers did get the playoffs. They are the NL Central champions for the fifth time in franchise history and making the playoffs for what the fifth time in the last six years. Last year was the only year since 2018 that they did not make it. So Brewers playoffs will go through Milwaukee for the wild card round for sure. Um, and at least at least two games will be in Milwaukee. Hopefully it's two and then more. Um, <laughs> so we'll go from there. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the episode here as well. With the positives do come the negatives, and that is our Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week. Sean, I'm going to ask if you have any Noogies of the Week this week. I I think I think during the game I was going to give it to the the refs of the Saints Packer game, but I uh, probably go back on that. I won't give them a noogie, so I don't think I really have one. I have two this week. Two. And honestly, I I really thought I was only going to have one, and that was initially going to be the Oakland A's. Okay. And the Oakland A's, on top of everything else that they've done. Just really taking and ruining the experience for their fans and selling out and looking to move and not even hiding anything that you know about it. Miguel Cabrera, one of the greatest baseball players of our generation, is playing his last series couple series here, last trip around the bigs this year, retiring right at the end of the season. Triple crown winner, couple I think a couple MVPs, couple he had a World Series I believe with Florida, correct? I think he was on that team. <clears throat> I'm gonna make sure, but I believe he does. It makes Just, sense that he would be on that team, and then making it to the World Series with the Tigers, but losing. I don't think they made the World Series when he was in the Tigers. Yeah, because they lost to the Giants. Remember he struck out to uh, Sergio Romo or Sergio Romo? Oh, that's right. That's right. On a break down the middle fastball when he's expecting a changeup. See, I was I was thinking I got confused with the season where they made the ALCS and lost to Boston in the ALCS. In an incredible series that that was. Yep. But okay, so twelve time All Star for Miggy, 
Two-time AL MVP, the Triple Crown 2012, seven-time Silver Slugger, two-time AL Hank Aaron Award, four-time AL Batting Champ, two-time AL Home Run Leader, two-time RBI Leader, and, of course, a 2003 World Series Champion. So, hell of a career by all means. Started his professional career at the age of 16 years old with the Tigres de Aguar. Aragua in the Venezuelan Winter League. I, I'm not even gonna try to get that right, but pass on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried, and it is what it is. Anyway, um, started his career 26 or, 20, or 1999 before a lot of people that we know were born, and with that in mind, has played at a high level since then. Over 3,000 hits, over 500 career home runs, a 306 batting average, for sure going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame guy. I mean, there's there's no doubt here. Right. The Oakland Athletics sent him for his send-off. You know, teams kind of do corny retirement gifts, and they usually do it something about, you know, the team. I remember when Chipper Jones retired. The Brewers got him a grill that had like a retractable roof, kind of like how the uh, AmFam is at Time Miller Park. And teams just kind of do that kind of stuff. Like, I think I want to say that when all the big Yankees retired, they all got like rocking chairs made of bats or something like that. Like, Mariano, I think, got one out of broken bats. Um, so just different stuff like that. And it's all, it's all in good fun. It's all, you know, stuff that. Probably, you know, in the case like a grill might get used. But anyway, the Oakland Athletics gifted Miguel Cabrera a $90 bottle of wine. (laughs) Now, there's a couple things wrong with this. First of all, Miguel Cabrera is a recovered alcoholic. Oh, really? (laughs) But he has not had a drop of alcohol, apparently, since 2012. That was the first, like, that is a, apparently, I, I didn't know that up until this article came out about this, but also a very big thing that happened in his, his life. Um, 2010 is actually when he stopped. It was, I'm going through his Wikipedia page, but um, he had spent three months in rehab in 2010, early 2010, end of 2009. Um, and then actually was later arrested on drunk driving suspicion in February of 2011. So since 2011 is when he has kind of completely cut everything off. So you gift him a bottle of wine. On top of it, again, this is one of the more accomplished players that has spent, I believe, numbers-wise, the overwhelming majority of his 20-ish year career in the American League since 2008, he's been in the American League. So you're playing him every single year. And again, two-time MVP, World Series champion, Triple Crown winner, seven-time, you know, all the accolades and the best you could come up with was a bottle of wine. Right. And not even a donation to the charity. It was a $90 bottle of wine. It's stupid. So that is our, one of my nuggies. My other nuggie is going to be to old fans at sporting events. Mm. Um, specifically, 
Wisconsin Badgers and Green Bay Packers fans. Now, I came across this. This was an opinion piece in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel last week talking about how Camp Randall at Badger Games needs to stop playing modern music because of tradition. Now, I don't... The the writer of this did not clarify as to what they meant by, like, what the cutoff for modern music is. But having attended the game two weeks ago, Sean, did you notice, like, an overwhelming modern music feel? Did I? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I suppose not, not crazy, but... Did it was it a problem to you? Was it distracting to you? No. But I remember the older people in front of us at the Badger game talking to talking about it. That they had sent something out to um somebody about it. Now, I will say I'll you know, it because part of the complaint was that they were talking about um wanting more band play, you know, band music, band spotlight. I would maybe entertain that conversation. I don't think that's a drastic ask by any means. I mean, it's it's a little annoying if you ask me, but I don't hate that conversation. I'd have that conversation. Right, but then why do you have the DJ hired? Well, right, that, that's what I'm ultimately coming to, is at the end of the day... The game is for the players, and, and I'd even argue the students, the student section. The The season ticket holders are a huge benefit. I'm not going to knock the impact that they definitely have on programs. But this person cites, a person can hear modern music in ordinary places such as shopping malls, corner drugstores, and elevators. And just the different pieces of this article talking about wanting tradition and and this is what they said it's but a university of wisconsin madison game is and should be a special experience one that is not one that is different than the ordinary world it is not ordinary it is not an everyday experience it's not close to boredom it's amazing incredible almost unique my point is tradition in this case should be upheld 100 percent Lastly, sometimes silence is golden, as it adds to the intrigue and the mystery tension for the next play and the flow of the game. It's sad that modern music has hypnotized people into always needing a technical-slash-media event to occupy their attention. Yeah. It's just... So that that kind of started me on this, this trail. The other piece that started this was pictures and and tweets from the Packer game on Sunday about a whole chunk of stadium and Sean I, I you know I know that it's that the game kind of rowdy as it went along so I kind of want to ask you this as well there's a picture that went around Twitter X whatever um, saying this was third and nine on defense the entire section of old people was calling security on anyone who stood at any point Fix this BS at Lambeau Field. This is a disgrace to energetic fans and the experience. I'm over old entitled people ruining Lambeau. And I can say that that is a very common opinion that people kind of ruin the quote-unquote game day experience 
because they don't want you to stand. And I I get it, you know, not you know, there's people who probably can't or shouldn't stand for three hours straight or you know, whatever you want to whatever. But you literally have videos, you've had Matt LaFleur on record talking about wanting more noise from the fans, wanting a better environment. Right. They're and, they're looking for it every every time they're on defense. Right. That was the first thing that was said once they got put on defense. They had the thing go on the Jumbotron. Um, what's his name? Said it over the loudspeaker or over the PA, whatever. I can't remember what his name is. Bill Jarts. Yep. He said it over the over the PA. I mean, it was, and I don't know. I don't know. I just don't understand it. So it me too. And and I said that, and I know. When we were down at Stadium, you were talking to our wonderful host, uh, studio host sponsor, Mitch Minger of Riverwood Gallery Studio. And he was talking about how teams aren't afraid to come into Lambeau anymore. Right. But there's no mystique. There's no, you know, the tradition, is, it's not the same. And I know we kind of talked about this last week, Sean, about the difference between Camp Randall, where 95% of the people want to be there, where Packer games are kind of more becoming an experience. As opposed to, you know, rowdy fans and whatnot. And I know that the price points are going to be night and day different for most games like this. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. But at the same time, I mean, how... It's just obnoxious that that, that is ruining people's experiences to the point where you're calling security on people for standing during the game when asked on the big board? Right. Yeah, I just it, it's it's just gotten to a point where something needs to change, and I I don't know what it is. I mean, you can't not let people come to the stadium, but at the same time, it's just it's getting obnoxious, like you said. All right, it kind of worked out for us because we were we were in row sixty, so we had nobody even behind us besides the people sitting in the handicap on the concourse. Sure. So. You didn't have to worry about people behind you or anything like that. There's yeah. just a guy, a really tall guy in front of us. That was the only issue we had with a big head, with a lemon head. That's what Carolyn says. <laughs> Would you have reported him for standing up? No, never. What What would you have done, Sean? Stood up. Exactly. <laughs> about it all right my my issue my a lot a lot of my issue is with the games was we were on an aisle seat and it's the same people getting up every five minutes to go get another drink get another something and that's that was my issue with sunday sure because it gets old after a while oh i I definitely get that i would I would agree with that as a whole. All right, Sean. Cruising along here. Got to go into our weird Wisconsin web story of the week. Four W's this week, not three. And pretty simple one this week. Did you know that there were flamingos in Wisconsin? Like, in the nature? I I did see this. So, this came from the Associated Press... Flamingos 
confirmed sighting in on Lake Michigan Beach and first ever Wisconsin sighting. Uh, this happened in Port Washington, uh, one of the surrounding areas of Milwaukee, 25 miles north of Milwaukee. American flamingos spotted Friday, last week Friday, in Port Washington, around 25 miles north of Milwaukee, marked the first sighting of the species in Wisconsin state history, said Mark Corducky. Kind of fun name for the, this guy. He is a member of the Wisconsin Society of Ornithology, which is bird watching. The birds stood quietly 25 feet off Lake Michigan's western shoreline as, as waves lapped up against their thin legs. Three were adults, identifiable by their pink plumage. Two were juveniles clad in gray. Uh, Jim Edelhuber of Waukesha was among a crowd of about 75 bird enthusiasts drawn to the city of South Beach after word spread on social media about the flamingo's appearance there. Quote, this is huge. This is unbelievable, Edelhuber said an avid bird watcher and photographer. The sighting was unexpected, but not a total shock because of recent reports of flamingos in Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, Pennsylvania, among other states in the northern areas. Wildlife biologists hypothesized that the flamingos were pushed north in late August by the strong winds of Hurricane Adelia, the Journal Sentinel reported. Typical range of the American flamingo is Florida and other Gulf Coast states, as well as the Caribbean and northern South America. Debbie Gasper of Port Washington made the short trip to the lakefront with her husband, Mark. She said that before Friday, the only flamingo she had ever seen had been on the couple's trip to Aruba. Gasper said she was going to send photos of the birds to relatives in Georgia who, quote, aren't going to believe it, end quote. <laughs> Sure, they weren't just flamingos that escaped from the zoo. That was the first thing I said. Of right? all people to tell me this, is that my dad. I talked to him after work on Friday. He's the one who told me this. I'm like, you got it. What? I I for sure thought um, that they had escaped from a zoo, the but zoo isn't that far away. But his he I, that's the first thing I said. But the thing he said and it made sense. Is like you know how like when you if you raise chickens most of the time you clip the wings so they can't fly. They said that that's probably the same case in a zoo. And if you have three adults, you'd have to you'd have to assume that they would have had their wings clipped by them. Maybe not the juvenile. Maybe you kind of get away with it, but I I don't know. Better they walked out the door and just are all sorts of lost. Very well possible. Um. But then also reports not confirmed that there are potentially flamingos in Menasha, a little further north, more in the Fox uh, Valley area, closer to home here. So flamingos in Wisconsin, Sean, not at a zoo, of course. No. So that is our Wisconsin web story of the week. And yeah, like I said, just uh, pretty shocking. Now, I also do have to go and give, uh, I'm sure she's listening, so real quick, I, I got to go backwards and give a nugget to Shauna. Ooh. And I'm doing this because she had the audacity, Sean, to criticize our wonderful coverage of the return of Brat Days in Sheboygan. Mm-hmm. Saying, quote, we have no we have no idea what we're talking about. And 
that we should have been more available for her to come on, even though she was already invited. Um, you talk pretty loud. That's what I thought. I so I was I was just like, what do you? Why didn't you come in? You heard me talk. You had to have heard me talking about it. Uh, she even went as far to say that she was going to give you a nuggie this week for what? your for your uh, talking about. I, I don't know what you did. Right, I don't know what I did either. Also, I have to go back. It is not Kiwanis Park. It is Kiwanis Park, where the event takes place. What? Kiwanis. She's yelling now. She can hear. That's the first part that she corrected. Sure, because it matters. Uh, it's a big deal, Sean. So, If it was such a big deal, she would have been on the pod to talk about it. I'd have to agree. I would have to absolutely agree. But there she sits, out in the living room, not joining, doing school stuff. Right. School stuff. Working. Ever the hard worker she is, I will give her the credit. She's a very hard worker, but not wanting to participate with the podcast and then having the the audacity to criticize the podcast as she is an expert. Mm-hmm. But what do I know? What what do I know? Yeah, absolutely nothing. So anyway, Sean, that leads us to the world of sports. Where do we begin? Right. I think the right answer to start the city of Milwaukee. Because um, we can kind of go through a couple really big things. So as mentioned earlier, first and foremost, we'll start with the kind of the, the easy part here. The Milwaukee Brewers have clinched their playoff spot. They have clinched the NL Central after allowing Miami to get two games over the weekend. Kind of keeps close to Chicago, which... I guess kind of quote-unquote best possible situation because Chicago did lose a couple games in there as well um, to help out the magic number. But Brewers did clinch the playoff spot over the weekend, and then they clinched the division last night. Uh, approximately probably about a half hour before we probably would have been done recording, so we might have missed it. We might have caught it. I, I don't know, but we could talk about it now. Um, so Brewers lock into that three-seed in the division. It has been a little ugly since uh, the last couple games here. Losing last night, even though, and then Chicago ends up losing on the Seiya Suzuki error, which borderline comical, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> um, just how bad of an error it was. But uh, Brewers have lost three straight, are at five and five, currently tied two to two in the top of the seventh. Um, the Cubs and Braves also tied in Atlanta. That game is at the end of the eighth, which is where the Braves made their comeback. Braves have scored one in each of the last seventh and eighth innings to draw it closer and then tie. The Mets 
were an early winner today in game one of their doubleheader because their game was rained out yesterday, 11 to 2. They are playing the second game of that doubleheader for the Marlins. They are currently tied 2 to 2 in the top of the seventh. So, as it stands right now, your playoff seeding goes as such. It is the Atlanta Braves in the one, the Los Angeles Dodgers at the two, Milwaukee Brewers in the three. The Philadelphia Phillies clinched a wild card spot last night, overwhelming likely going to be the four. The Arizona Cardinals or Arizona Diamondbacks, excuse me, uh, currently stand a game and a half up on Chicago uh, for the third or second wild card spot. The Diamondbacks were a 3-0 winner today over the Chicago White Sox. And then at that last wildcard spot, the Cubs up by a game as of right now. Should the Cubs lose or sh- and should the Marlins win, should they be in a tie, the Marlins would have the tiebreaker over the Cubs. How many games left? Uh, there are, after tonight, be five games left. Okay. Um, really coming down the wire here. Also taking a look at some of the teams still in play. The Cincinnati Reds are two games back of the Cubs, one game back of Miami. Um, they did lose yesterday. I believe they are off today, but I'm just double checking on that. No, they would be playing today. They are a three, four loser today to the Cleveland guardians. Um, so they already have lost today. The San Diego Padres technically still alive for the wild card. Um, did you see the whole Josh Hader thing? I did not. That Josh Hader doesn't want to be used for more than three outs if, unless he's in a playoff race. I respect that. That makes sense. Right. right. Everybody was butthurt about it. Because um, playoff race, but they're really not. Right. The Giants, I believe, are the last team that is still alive. Hanging on by a thread, the Giants and the Padres both are. They're both currently at four and a half games back of that last wild card spot. So I believe they are still mathematically alive, uh, but they have to have a whole lot of shit go right for them. Right. Um, Worth mentioning, should San Diego, Cincinnati, or Miami pass Chicago, those teams all have tiebreakers with Chicago hmm. uh, for those wild card spot, that last wild card spot. Uh, I, I don't know how it shakes out to how they split against each other, but they would all jump Chicago should they all finish the same. I believe the Diamondbacks also have a tiebreaker over the Cubs. The only team still alive that the Cubs have tiebreaker over would be San Francisco. Okay. And the Brewers would play the winner of the two or the two wild card teams, right? No. Second? So there's three wild card teams. The three Brewers wild. would play. The sixth team, so the last team in. So as of, it stands, as of recording, right now, that would be the Cubs. So it would be Brewers, Cubs, and then Philadelphia, Arizona. Best of three series, the higher seats, home stadium for all three, or potentially all three. So in this case, it would be Brewers, Cubs, best of three. So you got to win two. 
of Odd and Pham. As is right now, then it'd be Arizona in Philly playing all three against Philly. And then winner of the Milwaukee 3-6 matchup plays the Dodgers. The winner of the 4-5 matchup would play Atlanta. And then that's a best of five. Where's the seventh team then? There's six. But you said there were seven. Oh, I I got confused with football. That's on me. Oh, so okay. six total, three division winners, three wild card. Gotcha. Okay. I I blanked in for a second. I thought there was four division winners. That's that's on me. Gotcha. Okay. So. Milwaukee Brewers uh, do go in um, kind of a, you know, a a lineup tonight. They are, like, tied 2-2. Two to two. Kind of a lineup. I don't want to say phoning it in for the season, but there's not, there's literally nothing for them to gain. They're not mm-hmm. going – I think that it is yeah, – it's impossible for them to pass L.A. for that second seed. So, if, I guess if that was maybe in contention, you would see this. But a lot of guys resting tonight. So, I, I want to ask you, Sean uh, – do you think there's any importance? Do you think these guys should be playing? Do you think it's best to get them off their feet when you can here in the next six days? I would rather see them sitting now rather than, you know, they should play the last series. Sure. I could see them sitting, you know, two two days two days out here. And just because, of course, you got to still see live pitching and so you can stay relatively honed in and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, yeah. you give your pitcher, pitchers an extra day of rest and all that kind of stuff. So taking a look just kind of at our regular season recap here, I know we've got five plus today to play yet. Um, I, you know, obviously we'll probably look back in a couple of weeks and actually kind of do the full season review, but taking a look here. So tonight's lineup was Freilich, Contreras, Taylor, Caratini, um, Telez, Monasterio, Perkins, Anderson, Terang. Uh, Wade Miley got the start. He went five, gave up six hits, one run, uh, one walk, two strikeouts. Abner, Abner Uribe pitched the sixth inning. He gave up a run and a hit. And then Piams pitched a scoreless seventh. Brian Anderson just leading off the bottom of the seventh with a leadoff double. Um, so possibility Brewers kind of straighten this thing out and get a, another win here before the weekend series against Chicago. Um, but really, as a whole, like, I, I would agree with you. I, mm. you know, I, if you rest them tonight, if you rest them tomorrow, kind of gear up for that Chicago series, kind of treat that, not necessarily as a playoff series, but treat that as kind of your ramp up ahead of that because Chicago takes two out of three and gets the upper hand a little bit and it's going to be a totally different playoff right absolutely um but on the bench tonight Willie Adamas Mark Canna uh Josh Donaldson Carlson Hanna and Christian Yelich I probably wouldn't expect any of them to make an appearance tonight barring injury I don't think there's a need to uh, also worth mentioning, as I, I kind of over, I kind of overlooked it, but Car- or William Contreras is DHing tonight. It is Caratini behind the plate. I would expect that to likely be the case tomorrow if Corbin pitches, which 
would be his scheduled day to pitch. Didn't Corbin set up to start the first game of the playoffs then? Would that be how it would be set up? Um, be pretty close to that, wouldn't it? Yes. So timing-wise, so they do take Monday off. There is no game on October 2nd. So it would indeed be the five days for him to pitch. Okay. Uh, so I it works out where I think either one of three, two things is going to happen. One, they can kind of make their, their start here. Um, actually, I think that's, I take that back. That's the only way I was thinking of it. Like if they would have started Corbin tonight on short rest, then he might have had an extra day. But it worked out exactly kind of how they wanted it to work out where you'll have, had it been a stretch run here where you would have needed Corbin, Freddie, and Woody to pitch. Um, for this last couple of games here, you would have had it not necessarily needed now because, again, there's they're locked into the three. They're locked in at the division winner. Um, Cubs did just take the lead in the top of the ninth, four to three over the Braves. They have first and third with one out. So kind of worth mentioning or taking a look there. Um, and then the Mets at bat bottom of the seventh to start off with here. And they're looking at a Miami uh, possible series win. The last series of the season, we've got the Brewers and Cubs, as we know. The Marlins, I believe, they wrap their regular season up with a three-game set against Pittsburgh. So... Plenty at stake for those last that last wild card spot. Miami can make this interesting then. Miami can make this very interesting then. Got it. All right, sticking in the city of Milwaukee, the story that broke the internet for the day. The Milwaukee Bucks have made a acquisition of one of the best point guards in the NBA. Kind of a surprise. And I say kind of, I mean very, very much a surprise. Uh, the Bucks go out and get Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers. In exchange, they do send Drew Holiday back to Portland, as well as the 2029 first-round pick. Uh, they also do pick swap in the 2028 and 2020 or 2030 draft, but pairs. Um, right. Grace Allen also being sent. He's being sent out to Phoenix. So a three-team trade resulting in Damian Lillard being a Milwaukee Buck. Which is absolutely insane. I did not expect this remotely. But at the same time, I will say, so last week there was rumors of an Eastern Conference team being mentioned in talks. I had a sneaky suspicion the Bucks at least had to give a phone call. Because how do you not, you know, you got to see, you know, what's it going to take to get this deal done? And... As it comes out, it, you know, it was looking like, you know, 
Boston might have been making a play. And just a whole, you know, as kind of always happens with the NBA, um, the Nets were also potentially in play. Those were the two big teams. Um, and the other story is that once Milwaukee made the offer today, Portland did not go to Miami to see if they want to counter. And why, you know, I don't think you have to. I, I, I agree with that fully. Right. So that coming from the Miami Herald and the Bucks do get the trade done. Um, in all likelihood, reports coming out, Drew Holiday will probably be on the move again. Portland has no intention of keeping him around for the rebuild, which makes sense. A couple destinations mentioned around for him. Um, possibly the Nets, Miami kind of looking. I would be ecstatic if the Lakers were possibly in on him as well. Just, I mean, that'd be two huge times for my teams. But Dallas, I feel, would be a good spot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do got to say, I do feel bad for Drew Holiday Mm -hmm. in the sense that I believe it was, he really said this yesterday to the General Sentinel that he said, I'm a buck for life. And I mean that, like, deep in my heart. I don't want to play for any other team. Um, I don't know if he knew that this was possibly on the horizon or if he kind of got blindsided by it. I I really hope that he didn't know, I guess, for that quote. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't, like, a public plea. But at the same time, um, I mean, that's the game. It, it sucks. It, it sucks to see a, a player who was such a key part of that 2021 championship being dealt, such an, a great defender, a guy who did a lot for the city of Milwaukee in his very brief time here. That's the the shitty part of the sports business. Is it, is it bad that I would have rather seen Middleton go than Drew Holiday? It's not. I actually had that same thought. I don't think the deal gets done, though. You don't think so? I, I don't, because I don't think, at least for the Bucks' sake, I don't think having Drew Holiday and Damian Lillard makes sense, like for an offense. Right, but you could have Drew Holiday coming in off the bench. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, just, I don't think the deal gets done that way. Like I said, I don't have a... a I kind of thought that that was my first reaction, is, oh, man, that... I wish that was Middleton, which is awful to think. Right. Um, like, I feel bad about that, too. I'm not trying to chase anybody out of a job or whatever, but, yeah, it's, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is Grace Nallet. And I think had the best reaction to this. Um, so last week, actually, he switched jersey numbers. I don't know if you know this or not. But... Last week, he had said it was announced that he actually this is earlier in the month. um, He had tweeted that he was switching from 12 to go back to number three, which is what he wore in college. It finally opened up, whatever. So on September 4th, he tweeted, Bucks fans, this is the last number change, I promise. And then today goes back 
quote tweets it and says, LOL. It, it, it's just, it's, that's one way to handle it. I mean, right. not necessarily the same caliber of, of Drew Holiday's, I guess, importance. But Damian Lillard is a Milwaukee Buck. It, it doesn't even seem real to say. No, it really doesn't. And you sent it to me today. I couldn't. I really couldn't believe it. And honestly, like I, I really can't think. I I am so happy with this trade. I mean, I I think that that Damian Lillard is like the perfect foil for the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis. Because I think for the first time in Giannis's time in Milwaukee, you have a true closeout closer guy. Mm-hmm. You have a go-to, we need a bucket, go get it kind of guy. Right. And that is such an exciting prospect. And the fact that you don't have to give up any of your young guys, you know, you don't have to give up Bochamp, you don't have to give up you know, say what you will about Middleton. I, you know, I probably would have preferred him to go, but mm-hmm. the fact that you can have Middleton be that true spot-up guy that he's always been and be the slasher, and not have to be the guy creating if Giannis is cold or if Giannis is hurt, he doesn't have to be the creator. Right. Is such a huge piece of this, and then you throw in the fact that you still have Bobby, you still have Brooke Lopez, you bring back Robin Lopez. The Bucks' offense, and I would say even defensively, I don't think Dan. Obviously, we know Dan's not as great of a defender as as Drew Holiday, but he's still not a slouch. No, and that's that's the incredible thing here is you have a solid defender, not great, but solid defender, and you have such an upgrade offensively. Mm-hmm. And offense way always the defense. Absolutely. I mean, especially with the length that you have defensively with both Lopez's, with Bobby, with Giannis, with Chris Middleton for that matter, you can kind of slouch a little bit. Like, I'm not saying slouch per se. I guess that's not the right word, but yeah, what a, what a day. Um, also, if we're keeping track here, Brewers just took a 3-2 lead in the bottom of the 7th. The Atlanta Braves have tied it in the bottom of the ninth with the Marcelo Zuna home run. So it is 4-4, bottom 9 in Atlanta. Uh, the other rumor uh, coming out of this is that the Bucks may still go after Cameron Payne, uh, the fir- former Murray State was he? He's a guard. Um, kind of plays a little bit of a guard wing hybrid. Yep. But his contract could be an option for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, campaign is a most notably known for playing for Murray State. Um, last year in the NBA, he averaged ten point three points per game. Uh, 2.2 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 41% shooting percentage. Um, had some bigger games, especially towards the end of the Sun season. 
has bounced around a couple different places. He's been in OKC. He's been in Chicago. Uh, the last four seasons, he's been with Philadelphia. Um, career, he does average. If I can find the numbers here, averages eight per game. Um, have to look at his 2023 stats. I believe he scored his season high. I believe it was a 31-point outburst towards the end of the season. I have to double-check on that. But um, So what starting lineup, what are we expecting? Are we expecting Lillard, Middleton, Giannis, Portis, and Lopez? Brooks? That was the pro- that was the projected lineup I saw today, um, kind of going around social media. I do have to kind of look. I, I got to take a look at the roster just to see if that's what I would anticipate. That's kind of um, what I'm hearing right off the top of my head here. Unless you you put Giannis at the four and have Portis coming off the bench and have somebody else in that other either guard or forward position. See, I kind of thought that to myself as well. That's kind of what I was anticipating. Um, so right now, I could see maybe Jay Crowder getting a start mm-hmm. with him being that. healthy. Um, playing the four spot. Maybe body Portis, like you had mentioned. Because um, your current roster, you got Giannis... Thaniasis, Malik Beasley, who I completely forgot about, mm-hmm. Marjan Bochamp, Pat Connaughton, Jay Crowder, Goran Dragic is still a buck. When did he become a buck? Uh, I believe it was towards the end of last year. I believe he was a 10-day contract, but also ended up signing. AJ Green, the basketball player, Andre Jackson, Myers Leonard, Damian Lillard, Chris Livingston, Brooke Lopez, Robin Lopez, Chris Middleton, Bobby Portis, and Lindell Wigington. Um, so I, I think you nailed it. I think your five is probably going to be Dame, Middleton, Giannis, Brooke, and then either Bobby or Jay Crowder. I don't think there's a bad combo. No, I don't. I agree with you there. I mean, you realistically, you look at this. If you have one of those two guys coming off the bench at your four, Goran Dragic's 37 years old, but still pretty good, mm-hmm. all things considered. You have Robin Lopez also coming off the bench. You have a 26-year-old Malik Beasley, who I believe signed in the offseason. You'd have to look at how when he was acquired, but... Um, that, again, that's a solid shooting guard who gets scored 12.7 points per game last year, 3.5, 1.5 on 39.5% shooting. That's nothing to sneeze at. No. But once again, this will be a we'll worry about game 82 at the end of the season and won't really worry about the regular season. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's that is a wild place to be in, but uh, Dame Lillard, a Milwaukee Buck, uh, for at least this year, does have a player option for next year, which I feel like if you make that move, you kind of have to go and work on that extension as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and also kind of worth mentioning here that Giannis, 
I think the overwhelming part of this here that a lot of, I mean you talk about is that last week Giannis was on record saying that if his priority is winning championships and if the Bucks he wants to do it in Milwaukee, but if the Bucks aren't going to contend for championships and aren't going to make the moves to contend, then he's going to leave. Mm-hmm. And it took a week, but John Horse and that front office group, man, they listen. Yep, that they did. And Damian Lillard, I I keep saying it. I, I know it's just it like I said, it just doesn't feel real. Right. You're not wrong on that. Like I'm even looking at the ESPN roster right now and I see him pop up there and it's just like this is video game bullshit, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, you're playing two K right now. Yeah. Anyway, so gotta focus up here and continue our trip around the state. We've also got the Wisconsin Badgers. They are in a bye week this week after climbing to three and one on the regular season. They do get the win last week pretty handedly on Friday night over Purdue. At Purdue, uh, that game was a 38-17, I'll call it a blowout. It wasn't really ever in question. Badgers came out and scored early and scored often. Um, Tanner Mordecai, two touchdown runs in the first quarter. To get a 14-0 lead. Purdue would add a field goal towards the end of the first quarter. Uh, Braylon Allen, a... 14-yard touchdown run at the second quarter. The only scoring in the second quarter was that 21 or 14-yard touchdown got 21-3. Um, number of field goals coming from the Badgers in the third and fourth corner, but topped off with another Braylon Allen four-yard touchdown run uh, with a two-point conversion to really put the game away and seal it. As Purdue was trying to make a comeback, but ultimately falls short. Um, the big story coming out of that game is the loss of Ches Malusi and the gruesome injury uh, that he did suffer. Um, fractured fibula. Oof. Oof. Which I know you had been back at our place. We were watching that on TV and it it took the attention of the room. Right. Um. When when they showed the replay and then didn't show it again, you knew it was bad. And uh, so thoughts and prayers go out to him. Real unfortunate way that his season's going to come to an end. Uh, on the season, he had 307 rushing yards, four touchdowns on 51 carries, including at that point he had 39 car- yards on 11 carries. Um, so that is a tough loss. It'll be interesting to see how the Badgers try to complement Braylon Allen go, going forward here. Um, I think Mordecai just runs the ball a little bit more. I, I that, that, That's kind of the way that I'm thinking they'll go. I think so. I think they will try to get a little bit more out of um, the running back Jackson Acker. He's a 6'1 sophomore from Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, we saw him a little bit here mm-hmm. against 
Georgia Southern, he got four carries for 16 yards. Um, so he's got a total of 31 yards on eight carries for the season. Also got in at the Buffalo game. Um, he did have a reception for three yards against Purdue. So three games played on the season, or he's got an appearance in three games. So he did, you know, we saw him in that end of that Georgia Southern game. He does run hard. Yeah. Um, and I I don't doubt him contributing should the Badgers go that route. I do think they're going to need a little bit more out of Mordecai, like you said, and I, I don't doubt that going to happen. Uh, Tanner Mordecai in the season, 36 carries for 103 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, so, yes, that's that's a brutal, brutal loss. Um you know, you hate saying next man up or whatever the situation, but that's kind of the way sports work. Mm-hmm. So that will be interesting to see how the Badgers go. I think they might have to get the passing game going a little bit more too to open things up for Braylon Allen. Um, looking purely at the game this last week, the Purdue game, a lot of running. As we'd mentioned, um, looking at the box score, Mordecai was 17-27 through the air. No touchdowns, threw a pick. Uh, Braylon Allen had 16 carries for 116 yards, two scores. And then receiving-wise, Shamiri DK gets 3 for 67, along at 34. C.J. Williams, 5 for 56. Was really happy to see him more involved in the game against Purdue. Uh, Will Pauling, 3-for-26, also had the two-point conversion throw to Tanner Mordecai <laughs> on that uh, end-around Philly special, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Tanner Mordecai did have another catch for 19 yards, so they must have ran that twice. I didn't see the first one. Uh, Braylon Allen, one catch for nine Skyler Bell, one for eight. Bryson Green, two for six. Jackson Exeter, one for three. Um, Lucy did have a catch, one for negative one. So, Badgers, as mentioned, they do have a week off before their next game. Uh, They are back at Camp Randall a week from Saturday in the noon game against Rutgers, who, as of right now, three and one. Uh, Rutgers, really a little bit of everything. Uh, Their quarterback, uh, as of right now, is Gavin Wimsat. He's got 587 yards through the air, four touchdowns, one interception, 29th QBR in the country. Uh, they also do have a, I'd say a pretty solid run game. Kyle Monan, I'm not even going to pronounce that one. Kyle, uh, 69 carries, 384 yards, five touchdowns. So, 17 more carries for 13 more yards than Braylon Allen. And then their leading receiver is Christian Dremel. He's got 10 for 157 and two scores in the year. Obviously, as we record right now, no odds are out for that game um, because college sports doesn't kind of preview like that. So... No odds out. We'll talk about that more next week when we record, but Badgers do get a much-needed bye week to kind of figure things out and 
see what direction they're going to go offensively, but Badgers will be back in action October 7th at Camp Randall, uh, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken from when we went, that should be homecoming as well. I think so. Now that you say that. Uh, Back-to-back home games for the Badgers. They've got Rutgers, then Iowa on the 14th uh, before hitting the road to play Illinois, then back at home for Ohio State on the 28th, then Indiana, Northwestern, Nebraska, and then the X game in Minnesota. So we're going to the Ohio State game? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, For what it's worth, Sean, I'm I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, tickets are as low as $162 for that game. Uh, kickoff time has not been announced for that. If I'm guessing, I'm going to guess that is either going to be noon or 6.30. Or the 11 o'clock game, I should say, not noon. But mm-hmm. that the Big Ten big noon kickoff game on Fox. Just because that's the way that they like doing things. Or, like I said, that primetime ESPN game. Yeah. Um, looking around the rest of college football for the week. Last week uh, did have some pretty good games going around the rest of the Big Ten. Uh, Rutgers did get their first loss in the year, losing to Michigan 31-7. to Game was a little closer than the final score indicates. I think that game was pretty tight in the early parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Oregon takes Colorado to the woodshed 42-6. to UCLA loses their first game 14-7 to to Utah. Um, just taking a look through the other future Big Ten teams here. Um, and also number one team, Georgia knocks off UAB. They rebound 49-21. Ohio State gets the last second win against Notre Dame 17-14 on, I would say, some tomfoolery. Uh, only 10 players on the field for Notre Dame on the last two plays. Last second win, uh, but but guys do come really ahead on that one. What not, really Ohio, not really Ohio State's fault that they only had 10 people. No, it's not. I mean, and it's not like a penalty, but just a little bit of an odd oddity to that game. Uh, Penn State beats Iowa 31-0. And then uh, you Washington, actually two more games here. I thought I was going to only have one more. Washington uh, continues their domination. They beat California 59-32. USC squeaks went up 42-28 over Arizona State. Um, Michael Penix, the quarterback of Washington, I believe he was a former Indiana quarterback uh, prior to transferring out to Washington, is now the leading Heisman candidate uh, if you're a betting person. Looking at the top 25 for this coming week, uh, Plenty of Big Ten matchups all the way around. It'll be Penn State, Northwestern, uh, USC playing Colorado in Colorado. USC at 21.5 point favorite. So Vegas thinks that maybe Colorado is kind of coming back to earth. They've already tripled their wins from last year, so it's already a win for that that team. (laughs) Uh, The number one team in the country, Georgia, does host Auburn 14.5. They're a 14.5 point favorite. Uh, Michigan travels to Nebraska. Michigan a 17-point favorite in that one. Uh, Oregon goes to Stanford, 27-point favorite there. Washington goes to Arizona. Washington's 18-and-a-half on that one, wrapping up the rest of the Big Ten here. Uh, Louisiana 
travels to Minnesota. As the Gophers coming off another loss, uh, they lose last week to Northwestern in a pretty epic game. Northwestern had a huge comeback in that one. Uh, was worth watching. It was incredible. Uh, Indiana plays Maryland. Illinois and Purdue face off. Wagner going to Rutgers. And then the last game in the Big Ten, uh, Michigan State at Iowa. So that's your college football update. We shift focus to the NFL, which, of course, we have to start off with the Root for Wisconsin Podcast League in the fantasy football world. Yours truly, sitting at 2-1, and one, did win my game this week. I am facing Tyson, who's a 3-0. So, battle the juggernauts in the Eastern Conference this coming week. Uh, looking at the scoreboard for the previous week, it was Kamish Fish taking down Lambo Chef 120.26 to 104.18. Tyson knocking off Ramsey, 159.82 to 90.26. Uh, Tyson, big receiver of the Raheem Mostert game. Um, what it's worth, he also had the Buffalo defense on his bench. So that would have been 31 instead of 14 with Philly. So that could have had another 17 points added on there. Right. Uh, Team Dahl losing to Sean. 13608 to 88.16. I'm going to go on record saying I don't think Justin's checked this thing. I know he's a busy I know he's a busy guy with the dad and the move and coaching high school football, but Justin, what are you doing, buddy? You got two guys who one suspended, one has been out for 2 weeks. Um I mean, eventually that might be okay, but he also had two on the bench who had a pretty good game against uh, Denver, all things considered, mm-hmm. only 28.36. I expected a little bit more about that, but when Raheem Mostert's playing as well as he did, I guess that makes sense. Uh, also, in a probably the closest game in the league, we had Kittles and Bits, which is Jordan Fields knocking off the cup and touchdowns, cup and TDs, 154.78 to 148.76. Secretary Shauna taking down Mark, 150 to 78. 120 or 157.8 to 124.2. That game probably a little bit closer than I think Shauna would have liked. Mark had Devontae Adams Sunday Night Football go off mm-hmm. 42.2 and made that a game. Uh, but Shauna did have Jamar Chase, who had his best game of the season, at 12 catches for 141 yards. And then wrapping up, uh, we had Team Tornator knocking off King Chubbless 100 to points or 100.64 to 79.86. So somehow Justin who did not check his lineup, had two guys not playing, did not have the lowest score this week. Uh, Looking around the rest of the league for the week four matchups, I will be playing Tyson. Lambo Chef versus Team Dahl. As of right now, Team Dahl is projected to win because Alvin Kamara looks like is coming off suspension and Austin Eckler is expected to play right now. So, Justin potentially could get his first win. He's at 0-3. Ramsey playing Sean. Uh, Sean is your projected favorite in that one. Uh, Mark playing Cup and TDs. Kittles and Bits and Team Tornator. And then Secretary Sean and King Chubbless, uh, Dave Muller. 
So that is your week four fast football preview for the for Wisconsin League. Looking at the actual games, uh, Packers did eke out a 18-17 win over the New Orleans Saints. Sean, as you mentioned, uh, lively fourth quarter at the stadium and also at Stadium View, as I had mentioned earlier. Um, Packers did not score until 11 minutes left in the game. It was 17-0 at that point, at which point an Anders Carlson 38-yard field goal was made at 6.58 left in the game. After a defensive stop, Jordan Love runs in a one-yard touchdown. Packers go for two. Jordan Love passed to Samari Torre for a two-yard conversion, and then the Packers would take the lead with 2.56 left in the game on a Romeo Dobbs eight-yard pass from Jordan Love with the kick being good from Carlson. Um, and then the part here that obviously doesn't make the box score because it's not scoring is the New Orleans kicker, Blake Gruppy missing the 48-yard kick towards the end of regulation that would have given New Orleans the lead. So with that, Sean, a couple things to talk about. Um, I guess we'll start with, yes, the Packers did not score until late in that game. But that was a much more dominant Packers game, I think, than people will give it credit for. Mm-hmm. It really should only have been 10 nothing, probably going in the fourth. I think it should have been higher than that. I mean, Packers did miss a couple plays. Um, we know about the fourth down conversion that they tried to do some trickery, and it was a bad pass, and Jordan Love almost breaks his legs, falling, mm-hmm. trying to field it. Uh, the Packers outgained New Orleans. I don't know if you saw, if you know the numbers here, Sean. Yeah. But the Packers outgained New Orleans 340 yards to 252 yards. Had two more drives, uh, one of which was a halftime, pre-halftime kneel down, so I guess that's really one. But had 13 first downs through the air, five on the ground, uh, three first downs from penalty, were 8 of 18 on third down as opposed to 4 of 14 for the Saints. And we're one of three on fourth down. So, really, I think this game is a night and day. I mean, this the final score tells the story that it was an ugly game, which it was from Green Bay. Um, also worth mentioning were the penalties. Packers had 11 penalties for 90 yards, which yep. a, a good they, chunk of those were on offense. I don't, don't have the exact breakdown. They had some bad penalties. But that is a huge contributing factor as to, you know, you pick up a first down, but actually you don't because there's a hold or because there's an illegal formation or any number of things. It was, it seemed constant, um, which that's going to happen, I guess, with a young team. I'm not going to totally knock that and, and dump on it. I think, well, I, you know, I, I had said during the game, that's games like that is, you know, honestly, it's why Aaron would get so mad at younger players, which the counter for that is, well, maybe they don't even contend for that game if they have Aaron Rodgers because the comeback might not happen. But at the same time, you know, honestly, I don't think they're trailing if they have 12, if he's healthy. 
but we'll never know. That's that's neither here nor there. And where where was it last year? Two years ago, it was thirty-eight to three. I'm not talking about two years ago. I'm talking oh. about last year. Just, just, I know what you're saying. I I I understand. He gave up last year. You you can you can try to tell or try to argue that all you want, but he gave up last year. Debatable. <laughs> Shaking your head is, you know, I'm right. I I I do disagree, but there's no, no there's no way of proving it. But they don't because there's there's no way he goes back to to Jaron Reed and Jaron Reed makes that spectacular catch after dropping what did he drop three or four different balls? There's no way Aaron Rodgers even looks his way. I don't entirely disagree with you on that. I don't think that's that's equivalent of giving up. I just think. That's you know a lot of a lot of people say grumpy old man or whatever. I think that's just kind of what happens when you play most of your career with veteran players. And then not a rebuild happens, but you know what I'm saying. Like you don't have to have young players playing right away. Keep fighting for them all you want. I mean, I'm going to, but that's... we're better off. We're better off where we are right now. Sure. <laughs> I'll agree. I, I I am very excited about the Jordan Love era. Um, and just, just the rejuvenation that the stadium got when he got into the end zone and he was all pumped up about it. He had a run, he had a run just before he got into the end zone too, where he was almost ran out of bounds, but he stayed in bounds and gained another 15, 20 yards. Right. Everybody was just ecstatic about it. It was it was just cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think I guess the thing my my main point with this is that you can definitely tell that the veteran leadership wasn't there on Sunday and that's why it was so undisciplined. Because there wasn't a I mean, your biggest veteran on the field at any point really was AJ Dillon mm-hmm. and and Jordan Love. And Jordan Love in his first year as a starter uh, real quick, Cub- Braves do beat the Cubs in extra innings 6-5. So they fall again to the Braves. Um, Brewers up 3-2. Two outs, bottom of the ninth, or top of the ninth, I should say. Um, so kind of monitoring that here as well. But Yeah, I just think that's the kind of thing is where you're your most experienced player on Sunday, offensively speaking anyway, is A.J. Dillon. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to sit here and dump on Matt LaFleur or or the coaching staff because that's just what happens with the young team. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. It's not their fault. You know, you kind of wish that maybe they're a little bit more disciplined, but you can't play for them, you know? You can't not make those plays for them. You know what I mean? Like that... That comes down to just youth. Yep. So that that was a little bit odd to see, I will say. Like, it's just not something that we've grown accustomed to seeing so frequently. But at the same time, I mean, it just kind of was, again, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in a totally different way. Now, looking ahead, I obviously I would 
prefer to have veteran guys playing and guys like Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, even though he's only in his second year. But um, I think even having, like, if they would have had Elton Jenkins this last week, which injuries happen, I'm not going to, that's not his fault. Mm-hmm. But even if you have that guy in there, I think that goes a long way. Yeah, I agree with you there. Because that offensive line just kind of, it just kind of struggled the whole game. But a win's a win. Uh, Packers do go to 2-1 and one on the young season. They will have Detroit tomorrow night at Lambeau. Uh, real quick sponsor plug here. The Our friends over at Riverwood Gallery Studio will be at Packer pregame at Stadium View. Check out their booth for the autographed merchandise, the custom jerseys to wear to the game, um, and a number of other Packer items, sweatshirts, earrings, a iced out chain that is still available that I was lucky enough to model. That son of a bitch was heavy, but it's it was cool. But that's also available. Uh, so check them out at Stadium View, right by the doors. You can't miss it. Two booths, two tents. Check them out. Um, looking at tomorrow's game, it is expected that Christian Watson and Aaron Jones are expected to go. David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins and I believe Devondra Campbell have already been ruled out, which I'm a little surprised on on David Bakhtiari. Just I kind of expected him with the layoff in between to go, not playing Sunday, just like the other guys. But, I mean, really, it's going to be a coin flip every, every game. And that's just the way it is. Right. What about um, Jair? Jair. So the shitty thing about these short weeks is you don't really have true injury reports because yeah, you can you get an estimation of what would have been, but they're not actually really practicing. And it was actually really interesting to hear. Um, so before we, we're recording, actually pretty late. Um, much later than we normally do on Wednesday night. But so one of the reasons is that I do, I produce our player show for the uh, WUZ radio station. And tonight it was the Kingsley and Igbari show uh, with guest Carl Brooks. And it's always interesting because it's, I mean, it's, it's about football, but it's really not a lot about football. And they kind of talk about the, the short week. As you know, you start off on Monday. You're watching film from the week before because you're already, you don't get a day off. Tuesday is almost like a double day because you have to have your install day and your quote unquote practice, but you don't really actually practice. You hold a more of a walkthrough, and then today you're already at walkthrough pregame. Mm-hmm. So I, tomorrow they will have a meeting. Uh, they'll have meetings in the morning and stuff to kind of prep for the game. Um, official injury report, like I said, it's weird because it's it's an estimation. I believe they actually they do practice today. Um, so with that in mind, uh, Jair Alexander was a limited participant. He is questionable for tomorrow's game. Um, with the long layoff, I could see really that going either way. You know, I'm not... Oh, shit. Okay, never mind. Fly ball, Brewers win. 
looked a lot worse off the bat. <laughs> um, <laughs> already ruled out was Zane Anderson, who I didn't even know was on the team. He's a safety. Uh, David Bakhtiari ruled out. Devondre Campbell is ruled out. Rashawn Gary was on the uh, injured list. He's not even in the questionable. He's a limited participant just with the rehab of the knee um, from last year. Elton Jenkins, we pretty much figured he was going to be out this week anyway. Yet He's probably going to be out for a couple more weeks. Um, Aaron Jones was a limited participant, as was Zach Tom, Carrington Valentine, and Christian Watson, all four of which are listed as questionable for tomorrow. I would probably expect Zach Tom, Watson, and Jones to all go. Um, Alexander, I really don't know. Because he was such a late add to that injury report last week, where yeah. I think you might save him for this game, and then you kind of use that long layoff between now and not next Monday, because that's four days from now, but the following for their next their week five game. I'm kind of I think that might be the case, but I could also see holding him out for one more game and giving him that full eleven as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Also worth mentioning, just taking a look at the Lions injury report, uh, Jason Cabinda, I don't know, fullback, he's been ruled out, as has Matt Nelson, and holy shit, that's a lot of letters. Their guard. Big guard, Polynesian. Uh, I'm I'm not even going to begin to to try to pronounce it because I'm not going to do it justice. Baikai? Yes. Hala, hala, what is it? Halapunte Vaitai? Something like that? Halapulavadi. Vaitai. Yes, Vaitai, though. That's the important part. Um, he has been ruled out already with the knee injury. Uh, questionable would be Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Kirby Joseph, David Montgomery, Emmanuel Mosley, and. Yeah, because Matt Nelson's already been declared out. And then Frank Ragnow, he was a full participant yesterday and today for the Lions at center. So with that in mind, I hope, like I said, I think just before we get into our pick segment here, if those guys, if, if Watson and Jones are good to go, if Zach Thomas is good to go, I feel pretty good about that going into tomorrow's game. I I haven't I still have yet to kind of go through my actual pick of what I'm gonna do on this yet. But um it ends like I said, it's just it's one of those where if you can get Jones back at relatively full percent, you know, hundred percent, if you have Christian Watson on even like a pitch count and you're able to get him even four to five targets, I think that's a pretty successful day. I think you just need them, need the speed. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's the absolutely. They're missing right now. You need the speed to open things up. I think Jaden or Jaron Reed's going to uh, be a huge benefactor of that. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're still going to see Dontavian Wicks mixing in. I think you're going to see Romeo Dobbs benefit from that and Luke Musgrave from that matter. So you're going to open that middle of that field up. Uh, taking a look, I know, Sean, last week we had talked about getting Jordan Love a few more attempts. Because they were playing from behind 44 attempts this last week. 22-44, so truly 50%. He had 259 yards, touchdown, and an interception. 
took one sack, had a quarterback rating of 66.4. Catches, it was Romeo Dobbs, 5 for 73 on 12 targets. And the score, Jaden Reed, 3 of 63 for, uh, obviously, no touchdowns for the rest of these guys. Seven targets for Reed. Six catches, 49 yards for Luke Musgrave, who I love to keep seeing get more work. Um, Only eight, or I shouldn't say only eight targets. He had eight targets, had six catches, including the one that Jordan Love way overshot him. That probably would have been six if Jordan Love puts that a little bit better on target. uh, Dontavian Wicks, four of 45 on six targets. Patrick Taylor, three of 23. Emmanuel Wilson, one for six. Uh, Samari Toure and Malik Heath both had targets but did not haul in a catch. Toure with three, Malik Heath with two. Uh, technically, Toure does have a catch but doesn't actually count as a receiving catch on the two-point conversion. Um, and the Packers did have one fumble, but it was recovered. Emmanuel Wilson rec- fumbled. Jordan Love recovered on that failed fourth down. Um, defensively, was pretty spread out. Uh, Christian Watson, by the way, just exp- announced uh, that he is expected to play tomorrow, which I feel like we kind of had talked about and knew, but Jordan Schultz officially reporting that uh, Packers' Christian Watson list is questionable, will make his season debut Thursday night versus the Lions, barring an unexpected setback. Not a surprise after he had told reporters he had planned to play. So, official news breaking as we talk about it on the podcast. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, going back to the defensive stats of the Packers, pretty spread out. Um, Rudy Ford having seven, Darnell Savage and Quay Walker each having seven as well. Darnell Savage has been very quietly having a very good year. And I don't think that's been talked about enough. Um, six I think, solo. I think- just because they're kind of just letting them roam. They're not setting them in a certain spot and telling them, this is what you got to do. He's just kind of going with the flow and just making tackles. That's yeah, absolutely. Ta- and playing downhill. Right. Playing with instinct, playing with speed. Just um, let him use instincts to do everything. Isaiah McDuffie has six tackles. Uh, Corey Ballantyne with four. Kenny Clark does have four and a sack. Kingsley and Igbari, four and a tackle for loss. Rashawn Gary, three tackles, three sacks. So huge game for him in his return to Lambeau Field. Keyshawn Nixon, three tackles. Uh, Rasul Douglas had two. TJ Slayton, two. Devontae White, two. Justin Hollins, two. Devondre Campbell, Eric Wilson, Josiah DeGuara, Romeo Dobbs, Luke Svenes, Preston Smith, all combining for one. And then Carl Brooks having zero, but he did have a pass deflection. So Packers defense, I think, you know, it's so easy to shit on Joe Barry. And it's fun a lot because it's not entirely wrong either. Albeit, you know, it's it's a lot of accuracy. But the other day, the defense really only gave up 10 points. Including they had one short field, so really I think you can kind of make the argument that the defense only really gave up seven points all game. Mm-hmm. And the offense wasn't helping them out until the fourth quarter. So that's a, just a kind of a quick take on that. Um, which makes that to a point where not much left to talk about except to pick the game, Sean. Yep. Um, 
I don't have our record from last week. I know that I did pretty well, and I know that you did not. Because there were a couple games that uh, are worth mentioning here, Sean, that I do have to give you a hard time on. Because I picked Uh, the Broncos, didn't I? You picked the Broncos, and you picked the Bears to cover against the Chiefs. I do want to ask one quick question here, in fairness. Would you have picked the Chiefs to cover had you known Taylor Swift was going to be in attendance? Yeah, I would have. That wouldn't have fluctuated at all? No, I would have picked the Chiefs if I knew Taylor Swift. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I gotcha. That's what you asked me. So you, you underestimate the power of the Swifties. I did. Um, as, I'm just trying to send these to Shauna to make sure we can get her picks. So hopefully she does these pretty quick here. But um, I do have to talk about, you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about this beyond the little bit of a jersey thing. Uh, as the whole world knows, the impact of Taylor Swift coming to a football game has merged two worlds that I did not anticipate ever colliding. And obviously there's been a lot of stuff on social media that's been funny. Um, I think one of my favorite things has been the Swift Kelsey versus Swift Kelsey pictures with Travis and then Taylor, then uh, DeAndre Swift and Jason Kelsey as teammates. But then in the New Heights podcast, which Jason and Travis Kelsey have together, they do have a No Dumb Questions segment, uh, which were all questions from Swifties this week. And the two of them explaining the world of football. What is a down? What is, what is a field goal? Different pieces of that I thought was very funny. If you haven't seen that, uh, check out the New Heights podcast after you listen to this one, uh, wherever you get your podcast or TikTok or Instagram, I'm sure. It'll be on just about every social media out there because, like I said, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the Swifty effect is real on the NFL. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, 400% increase in Travis Kelsey jersey sales. They even had Bill Belichick even made a joke about it. Yes, Bill Belichick, who is notorious for his we're on a Cincinnati. Well, Bill, what do you think of this in in the game? You know, this is happening in the NFL. We're on a Cincinnati, calling it the best catch Travis has ever had, mm-hmm. and smiling and smiling. Great, that was kind of funny. Um, yeah, I, it, I'd be we obviously we have to talk about it in some capacity. But I did not expect this to to break the whole world. Right. Um, But if we kind of go through last week's games, I'll just kind of recap those. I won't go through the covers and and what we picked because, again, I I did that on Sunday and I forgot to write it down. Uh, 49ers knocked off the Giants 30-12. Packers, the 18-17 win. Colts beat the Ravens in overtime 22-19. Browns throttle past the titans 27-3 dolphins broncos we know what happened there 7-20 patriots knock off the jets 15-10 bills dominate the commanders 37-3 lions beat atlanta 20-6 texans 37-17 upset over the jags the chargers do get their first win knocking the vikings to 0-3 
Seahawks get a 27 or 37-27 win over the Panthers. The Cardinals, the scrappy Cardinals, on their third straight week of NFC East opponents, do knock off the Dallas Cowboys 37-27, or excuse me, 28-16. I'm sorry, I got my scores backwards here. Uh, the primetime America's Game of the Week, which we just talked about. Bears get killed by Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs, 41-10. Sunday Night Football, the Steelers knock off the Raiders, 23-18. Monday Night Football, two games Monday night. Uh, 25-11 win for the Eagles over the Buccaneers. And a 19-16 win for the Bengals over the Rams. So things looking a little bit better in Cincinnati. Week 4. Starts off with Detroit playing Green Bay, as we just talked about. The Lions are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. And Secretary Shauna is going to lead us off with picking the Packers at home to cover that one-and-a-half. I'm taking the Lions. I'm going to go Green Bay. Just because Shauna is really good at picking these spread games, I was probably going to say whatever she said. I'm going to be very upfront on that. I'm taking all. I I think you're right, but if there's ever been a time for Green Bay to play this game, I think coming off that fourth quarter, after having a dead fourth quarter in Atlanta, having three straight. Not great quarters, I think, rallying for that fourth quarter. Getting those offense weapons back in Watson and Jones, I think, is going to help immensely mm-hmm. and open the field up. I still feel like Detroit, Detroit's detroit got their number, though. I know, and I don't love this game. I don't love any part of this. I'm glad it's Thursday night to get it out of the way, so I'm not waiting all weekend for it. But I, I very realistically could see this going either way. It, it truly, I mean... You think about the the old adage, you get three points at home. So really, they're kind of saying Detroit's a four and a half point favorite. I think that one and a half is. I mean, you're probably I, you're probably going to see that be. I think this is going to be a closer game than maybe once thought. Uh, I think it should feel a little different. While I'm mentioning it, I saw this today, Sean. That the just after three games, you know, we talked about pretty ex- extensively the Packers division odds with futures bets and all that. Um, at one point, the Lions have really been the favorite all offseason and obviously in the other part of the season. Uh, the Vikings and Bears had both been favorites over the Packers at one point, uh, where the Packers were like plus 400 or plus 300. Um, the Bears were pretty close to around that, and the Lions, or excuse me, the Vikings are pretty close to that now. Three games in, those odds have switched drastically. Uh, the Lions are actually at minus odds now. They're at minus 106 prior to tomorrow's game. The Packers are plus 155, which is still pretty good. I mean, it's not two to one, but it's one and a half to one, basically. Um, obviously not the favorite like the Lions are. The Vikings have fallen from like plus 200, plus 250 to plus 595. And depending on when you look at the offseason for the Bears, uh, they've been... The worst team, they've been like plus 500. They've been upwards of plus 300, 350. They are at a 2490 to win the NFC North. Um, wow. Justin Fields has been the weekly 
worst quarterback in the NFL by just about every metric. Um, so kind of interesting note there. Back to picks. We go to Sunday. We do have a London game this week. So for you fantasy football players, make sure you check your lineups either late Saturday night or very early Sunday morning because there's 8.30 local time kickoff here in Wisconsin. We've got the Falcons and the Jaguars. The Jags a three-point favorite in that one. I'm going with the Jags as is Shauna. Sure. I'll go with the Jags also. All right. I'm very surprised by this next one for Shauna. Going to the noon slate on Sunday, we've got Dolphins-Bills. The Bills a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Shauna is picking once again against her formerly beloved Bills, going with the Dolphins on the road, and has her commentary of Tua. I'm I'm not going to say what I said last week, so... Um, I'm going to go with the Bills. I, I think they used all their firepower this last week. I don't know. They get Jalen Waddle back. I, I'm going to go Dolphins again. I, this is one of those games where if I probably wouldn't touch on a spread. I don't even know if I'd want to touch this money line wise. So I could see this going either way. Mm-hmm. Um, by no means is it the ugliest game of the week, but it's definitely not one that I'm touching. Right. All right. Next game here on the noon lineup, we've got probably the actual dumpster fire game of the week. Broncos-Bears, with the Broncos being a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Shauna is picking the Bears. I'm going to go Broncos on that one. I don't know why. I'm going to go Bears. I think, strictly speaking, that the Broncos did put up 20 points, and I just don't think the Bears are any good and worth stopping. I think the Broncos' defense might be better than the Bears' defenses. It's going to be ugly. I, I am sure that's going to be our noon game here on Sunday, because that's CBS. Mm-hmm. I might take my nap a little early on Sunday, you know? <laughs> That is not going to be a fun one to watch on TV. No. All right. Um, next one here, we've got Ravens-Browns. Cleveland, a three-point favorite at home, so pretty much a true pick em. Uh Browns coming off a 27-3 win. Ravens coming off their first loss of the season. Both teams at 2-1. and one. Sean is going Browns at home with a three. I think I'm going to go that route, too. I'm going to take the Ravens, then. All right, next game up, we've got the Steelers and the Texans. Steelers, a three-point favorite at on the road. So really, I'm going to kind of read that as a six. I think the Texans are going to win that game outright and cover, for sure cover that three. They looked real good against Jacksonville, and maybe that's just because it's a division game. But I don't have – I watched Sunday Night Football, well, for about a quarter and a half. I fell asleep. It was a long Sunday, but – Mm-hmm. I don't buy the Steelers at all. No, I don't either. I think C. Right, C, they have C.J. Stroud. The Texans, yes. Yeah, he's looked. He looked. He's looked really good, and probably going to be the better Ohio State quarterback in the league right now. Oh, absolutely. 
I agree with you. I'm going to go Texans. All right. Likely the Fox game, we've got a matchup of 0-3 teams. We've got the Panthers, or the Vikings and the Panthers. The Vikings are a four-point favorite on the road in Carolina. Shauna is going with the Panthers to cover that at home. I'm thinking the Vikings are going to win this one. I, I said that last week, too. I I just... They've been so close two weeks here, and I don't think they're very good. I mean, I'll be very upfront. I don't think they're going to recover from this 0-3 start no. in the grand scheme of things. But this should go their way, uh, barring another Kirk Cousins disaster, which has happened on primetime and at noon, which doesn't usually happen in his career. But I just think that with the talent they have at running back, I mean, Alexander Madison had a great game this week. Justin Jefferson scored his first touchdown of the season. They still have T.J. Hawkinson. I I just don't see them fading into obscurity and going 0-4 against Carolina. You 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 think they go, if they do fall 0-4, you think they shop Kirk Cousins? I think it's a hell of a conversation to have. To the Jets? That's a hell of a conversation to have that I'm not ruling out. I'm, I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit. But. So, but I, I, I agree with you. I don't think they lose to the Panthers. All right. Uh, a couple more noon games here to pick. We've got the Colts and the Rams. That is an even game right now, so pick whoever you think is going to win because there's no spread on that one. Shauna has the Colts. I'm going Rams. I'm going to go Colts. All right. Uh, we've got the Bucks and the Saints. New Orleans is favored by three. No Derek Carr? I don't believe so. I don't think it's been official yet. I don't know if there's an official injured designation. Uh, Sean's going Saints. I'm going to go Bucks. I'm going to go Bucks. All right. We've got the Commanders traveling to Philly. Philly is an eight-point favorite there. No surprise here. Sean's going with Jason Kelsey. Uh, she is a big Kelsey rider. I think I'm going to go that route, too. I, I, Washington's not that good. I'm not going to overthink this. That eight's a lot, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with both of you guys. I'm going to go Philly also. All right. Um, one more game in the noon slot here. That is the Bengals at the Titans. Looks like the Bengals are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Shauna back on the Joey train. She's got Joey in the heart. She's going with the Bengals to cover that two-and-a-half. You know what? I'm going that route, too. I uh, I don't think Titans are that good at all. They're, they've been awful. They've been getting worse week by week. I think the Bengals kind of figured something out here this week, even though it was ugly against the Rams. Yep. I expect this to be that bounce back where there's still the freaking Bengals. Right. I'm going to go Bengals also. All right. Three o'clock game. We've got the Raiders and Chargers. Chargers are a five and a half point favorite. I don't believe Jimmy G's playing. Uh, I oh. don't know on that. I, I'm going to check that actually, but. I know he had left the game on Sunday football with injury. 
Uh, he, as of today, it still does remain in concussion protocol. Um, it's only Wednesday, so a few days for him to go. But Shauna is going with the Raiders. I like the Chargers to bounce back and continue this this winning streak. I think they're a good team. Yes, they did just lose Mike Williams, but I agree. I agree with you. I think the Charger Chargers win this one. All right. Um, one of the noon games or the three twenty five games. We've got Patriots Cowboys in a game that looked a lot better on paper probably at the start of the season than it does now. Um, the Cowboys are a six and a half point favorite in that one. I believe that's going to be our game of the week here on the, the 325 slot. Uh, Dallas, like I said, six and a half point favorite. Shauna is going with the Cowboys, which says, how about them boys? I'm going to be honest. I don't know what to do in this one. I think Dallas does bounce back. I think their offense is just too good. But at the same time, I don't know if I buy that six and a half. I think Bill Belichick's defense is pretty good too. I'm going with the Cowboys to cover. I don't like that, but okay, I'll go the Patriots. All right, uh, Cardinals 49ers. Cardinals get their first win. The 49ers continue to dominate everybody they play. The Cardinal or the 49ers, excuse me are a 14-point favorite in that one, which, honestly, I think they cover that. And that's that's absurd spreads two weeks in a row that we've seen covered. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I'm going to go 49ers. I really hope that's the game we get instead of the stupid Cowboys and Patriots. I know that's not, that's not what's going to happen. But I would be so happy if that's what it does. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sunday Night Football, we've got the Chiefs and the Jets. The Chiefs are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, no surprise here. Shauna's big Kelsey family fan. She's going with the Chiefs to cover that nine-and-a-half. I don't see a way that the Chiefs don't cover this nine-and-a-half. Yeah. The Jets are already a dumpster fire. There's already players talking about turning on Robert Sala because he keeps praising... Um, Zach Wilson, which, what the hell are they supposed to do? You know, they go out and get Aaron Rodgers, and he gets hurt three snaps into the season, which, not his fault. I mean, that's, again, that's the nature of the business. It's what happens. That would have happened probably to any quarterback in that position because the offensive line sucked. Like, he was going to get sacked. Any quarterback was going to get sacked there. And with Turf being how it is, I mean, it was just, it was kind of inevitable. But, if you're the Jets, and there's, I mean, yes, there's all this talk on veteran quarterbacks, but like I said, what the hell are you supposed to do? You've got 30, you know, cap space-wise, you've got 30-some-odd million dollars tied into Aaron Rodgers. You've got another 10, 11 in Zach Wilson. Are you going to cut or bench the guy, and you're going to have $40 million worth of quarterback not playing for you? I don't, right. I don't buy that. No, I don't either. And and at the end of the day, like you kind of got to just cut your losses and and take what it is what it is. But it's just, what's the better option? I mean, you got Trevor Simeon that they just signed. He sucked. I mean, he he's 
I shouldn't say he sucks, but he's not that good. Right. I don't know. I don't know what you do. Tim Boyle. I mean, the Tim Boyle laser show. By all means, I guess I, I don't think it could be much worse than Zach Wilson. I guess. But. Kurt Bankert. Kurt Bankert. I mean, he's not technically retired, but he's doing the sleeper stuff. I, like I said, I just I I don't know what the option is. I mean. Like you said, the really the most intriguing is if the Vikings would somehow lose this week or lose two of their next three or something like that, and maybe punt on the season and and deal Kirk Cousins. But at what point? I mean, with the Dolphins doing what they're doing right now and the Bills doing what they're doing after the one bad week, I mean, the Bills realistically are going to be three and one. The Dolphins are going to be four and zero, more than likely. Or three and one. I mean, really, what what can you even look at as an option? You know, it's and I know that they play this, so actually, it's not three and one, four and zero. Oh. It's it'd be three and it'd be two and two or four and zero, oh, but or three and one and three and one. So, but either way, I mean, that's. That is at top of the division. You are not beating the Chiefs this week with what you have in hand. No. You're going to be one and three looking up at at least those two teams. And the Patriots very realistically could be two and two. They probably will be three and three. Or they'll probably be uh, one and three as well. But you have a lot of ground to make up. And that's just in your own division, let alone there's three wild card spots you're playing for. And the Bengals and... The Browns don't look terrible. The Ravens don't look terrible as a whole. You got to figure that throw the Chargers in there, right? So, like I said, what what are you supposed to do if you're Robert Sala? Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't envy him at all. Nope, but I think I think you you struggle this week. You got to make a change. Even if it is Trevor Simeon. Oh, absolutely. And I, you risk losing the locker room, which I think is also kind of stupid on their part. I mean, you lose one of the all-time great quarterbacks, and you have a guy who was literally picked to replace him, and then you're expecting the season to still go the same way. Mm-hmm. I, whatever. <laughs> Jets are going to jet, I guess, but... It's New York. Yeah. All right, Sean, one more game to pick. That's Monday Night Football. We've got the Seahawks and the Giants. That game also, as of right now, even. Really? Uh, as of right now, I I don't know why. Hmm. I I don't know if the this week... I mean, the Giants lost this last week, so I guess I'm pretty shocked by that, too, but... Um, I'm say there maybe they're counting on the Saquon effect coming back, but I'm gonna go with the Seahawks. Sean is going to Seahawks. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Seahawks also. All right. So that is our pick segment of the week. Couple things left to do in the episode. We've got our bar of the week, and we've got talk about what we're rooting for. Uh, let's start off with what we are rooting for in the upcoming week. What do you got first, Sean? Uh, rooting for a wedding this weekend. Kyle and Lisa. Should be a very fun, very fun wedding on Saturday. So looking forward to that. Glad to hear that. I'm going to go. I am returning to the broadcast booth 
uh, broadcasting a high school football game Friday night. Southern Door hosting Ocanto. I don't 100% know what station it's going to be on. I know it's on one of the Door County Daily News uh, Sports Network stations. Uh, which one is yet to be determined, so I really don't know. But I will... Ocanto. What's that? WOCO? Probably not. I don't oh, think on. high school football... I don't think high school football works that way. I don't know. I don't know. But um, radio station, I don't know. <laughs> but that is the my root for. I mean, obviously, I'm rooting for the rest of the sports here. But also, I'm, honestly, I'm kind of excited that Badgers are off. The Packers are playing Thursday night. Just kind of a quiet weekend, you know. Not have to, I mean, I'll probably be watching some form of sports throughout the weekend, but not as heavily invested beyond my fancy teams and that I'm following along for our pick segment. Mm-hmm. All right, bar of the week. I don't think we've done this one, which I'm pretty surprised that we haven't, but I'm going to anyway. One of the staples of the stadium district in Green Bay here, that is Stadium View Bar, Restaurant, and Banquet Hall. Uh, spent my Sunday there after the pregame show at the Green Bay Distillery, which is where I'll be tomorrow afternoon and evening. Um, but 4.4 stars on Google. Uh, what can I say? The Some of these reviews just hit it on the head. The iconic Packer Bar of Green Bay. Must stop for any tourist or local. Fantastic service. Bartenders are engaging, um, as well as the other patrons. Food, high quality. All sorts of different options that they have, um, including even the game day menu. Their wedding venue is great. It's beautiful. Um, that's where, you know, it's really kind of cool when you go in there. If you kind of go through some of the the pictures on Google, you can kind of see it. And they have TV screens on all, kind of like on each wall segment. Um, so just really cool venue. Uh, again, good food. Can't complain about that. Um Honestly, I think it's one of the best places to be on game day. If you can't be at the stadium, uh, obviously my loyalty is Grimmett Distillery, but Stadium View is a very close second. Uh, you've got live music before the game and usually after the game, or DJ setup. You've got the fan, you know, you've got the different vendor booths, which include uh, Riverwood Gallery with Mitch and Julie and Mel and Rams. So just a complete experience and then it's packed for road games i've been there for a packers road game and yeah they don't charge for parking like they do for a home game but it's packed it's like there's an overall awesome experience um if you have not been to stadium view they've got memorabilia everywhere um they've got packer stuff they've recently were in the news two weeks ago because during their one of their player shows uh, some Lions fans stole one of their replica Super Bowl trophies uh, that was gifted to them by Donald Driver. It was returned. All was, all was well. Um, but yeah, it's an awesome environment, and that is our Bar of the Week. With that in mind, Sean, episode 128 is in the books for Justin Ramsey. Sean and not here. For Sean and myself, we're out. As always, pay attention to the Rupert Wisconsin podcast social media pages for our latest happenings, whether it be the world of sports, 
whether it be my traditional poorly edited Packer hype videos, which have been getting better, I will say. I've been kind of increasing my production time on those, but not by much. <laughs> uh, but are getting better. We're out. See ya. See ya.